right. Well, listen, you all have a treat this morning. Um, my beautiful bride, Pastor Emily, is going to bring the word this morning. We're in the same series, but she's got a, a message for you. So um, this week I was down at the uh, men's conference down in um, Woodland Park with some guys, and it was good stuff, amen. And uh, we're back, but um, I was in the word, but I wasn't in the word to bring a message. She was. So I was able to just unplug and focus. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. I think we've maybe mentioned this a few times, but how many have the Bible app on your phone? It's like the Bible app. Did you know that you can find the notes for the sermon on the Bible app? I'm going to teach you how. You ready? Go to the home thing, and then over where it says more, you scroll down, it says events. Click on events, and City Lights Church is like the second on the list there. You can click that, and then you got her notes right in your hand. Does that sound good? Isn't that good stuff? All right. So uh, follow along with her, and uh, she's got some good stuff today. So, Lord, we love you. Thank you for this amazing woman. We bless this teaching. Thank you, Lord. It is a word in due season for this church. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Oh, my goodness. One hour less sleep is totally worth one hour more light. Can I get a witness? Right? Isn't it like hope is on the horizon finally? It has been... It's been a long winter, guys. I'm so excited. Well, welcome to church. I am always honored to get to speak with you guys. I am continuing in the same series that Pastor Kurt has been on about the Beatitudes. So if you guys want to grab your Bibles, get into Matthew 5 right now. And we are on the fourth message in this series. And our uh, scripture today we're going to focus in on is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Isn't that a good promise? How many of you got some empty tanks and you need to be filled up? Well, that's what's going to happen as we unpack this scripture today. When Jesus was giving the Beatitudes, you have to remember what, what he was doing. He was not giving you his hopes and his wishes for us or his good ideas. He was making a divine proclamation to us about what his kingdom is like and how to be happy. Because in all of the verses, the word blessed there literally translate to, translates to happy. So how many of you would rather be happy than sad? I would. I like being happy. This is Jesus' roadmap for how to be happy, truly. And uh, this week, how many of you guys know, this verse is going to show us that the hungry are happy. And happy People are hungry people. That's how we're going to hone in today. So I have a question for you. If you had never heard the Beatitudes before, this list that Jesus gives us in Matthew 5, and you were going to come up with a list of how to be happy, would any of these be on your list? Would you be like, I want to be persecuted for righteousness. That will make me happy. Woo! Yeah! That's on my first thing. Probably not, right? They wouldn't be on my list. Jesus is so smart. But there's something about these Beatitudes, this list, that is essential to understand. Because what he's laying out, they are in order. And they are the way to get into his kingdom. And they are also an ongoing step in his kingdom to remain happy. Because when we get saved, it's really good news. When we walk with Jesus for a long time, there's a lot of opportunities to not be as quite as fresh and happy as the first days. So this is a roadmap for us to stay happy if we can unpack what he is communicating to us. 
If you stop realizing that you're poor in spirit and totally spiritually bankrupt without him, you'll lose your joy. If you think it's on you and you've got something to bring to the table and you don't realize, oh my gosh, without God, I am a wretch. <laughs> it's so happy when you're like, oh, but God's, God's got me, right? If you stop mourning and repenting over your sin, you can lose your joy. If you stop allowing the Holy Spirit to produce meekness in you, you can lose your joy. And if you stop hungering and thirsting for righteousness, you can lose your joy. It's not just how you get into the kingdom. It's how you remain happy while you're in the kingdom. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. He didn't say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for fame, for money, for success, for honor. There's, there's something we have to understand here. So as we go through the message this morning, I'm going to ask four questions and hopefully unpack them in the scripture. Okay? First question is this, what is righteousness? What is that? The second question we'll, we'll follow and answer is, what does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? The third question we'll go through is, what does it mean to be filled? And four, how do I maintain spiritual hunger for the rest of my life? Sound good? All right, so number one, what is righteousness? <clears throat> this is not going to be a very helpful answer. Righteousness is the state of being righteous. Can you get that? <laughs> Anytime you add ness to a word, you're saying in the state of or in the manner of, right? Happiness means you're happy. You know, meekness, the state of being meek. So we're going to look at the definition of righteous. What does righteous mean? Righteous means absolute, complete rightness, correctness, and perfection in every area. So guys, those are the happy people. Are you feeling more sad now? <laughs> are you so happy? Oh, man. So if we can figure out this right, rightness, it's correctness and perfection in your thoughts, your actions, your feelings all the time. How many of us are righteous? Well, that was the right answer because it says in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. None but Jesus. Yeah? He was the righteous one. But then the Bible doesn't stop there. Thank God. Yeah, Pastor Craig says thank God. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5.21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God the state of being imperfect and complete in him. So I'm going to ask you this question again. How many of you are righteous? Yes, you are. If you're in Jesus, you're righteous. There's only two kinds of people on this earth. There are righteous people who have accepted the life of Jesus as your righteousness, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus to make us right. So those are righteous people. Or unrighteous, those who have not accepted that. Those are the two categories of people. Yeah? You can either be perfect all the time, or you can accept the perfect one. Yeah. So there's a practical definition of righteousness, and really what it means is being in right standing before God. He is a holy God, and we have to be perfect to come before him because he is holy. Now, I will say, right standing before God does not necessarily mean right acting before God. Okay? 
God did not send his son Jesus for behavior modification. He didn't come because you guys were being naughty children and he needed to correct you and make you act better. That's not the plan that God wanted to do. If all he wanted was to make you act better and act right, he could have used a lot of other methods besides dying on the cross, this crazy punishment. He could have sent a pack of wild squirrels to your house until you started acting right. Can you imagine if that was how he (laughs) took care of us? Okay, I'm sorry, God, I'll act better. You know, he could have struck you with lightning every time you lied, and then you'd be like, okay, I get it. I'll do better. I'll try harder. I got it. No. God sent his son Jesus because we were wretched, hopeless, wicked sinners without any possibility of reconciliation to God on our own. Yeah? Have you guys heard the phrase, God didn't send Jesus to make bad men good. He sent Jesus to make dead men live. That's what the truth of the gospel is. There is a righteousness that will make you happy. This is called imputed righteousness. Imputed righteousness means his righteousness he puts on us And that's good. You'll be real happy if that's the righteousness you have. There's a righteousness that will make you absolutely miserable. It will wear you out. It's called self-righteousness. Has anyone ever dealt with that? Okay, last week. No, two weeks ago. I had this time with the Lord, this encounter with the Lord. I thought I understood what being self-righteous meant. And I thought it meant being kind of haughty and arrogant and full of yourself. And like, I'm better than people. Oh, there's more. There's more to it. There's more to it. Yeah, God showed me that there was some situations in my life and some people in my life who didn't really understand my motives and they were mad at me because they didn't understand me. And I really wanted them to know I was right and my heart was good. And I was toiling in prayer over this. God, I just want them to understand where I'm coming from. And he's like, okay, what? You have to prove yourself to be right. That's not what I've asked you to do. I've asked you to lay down your rights and let me be right. You don't have to go explain yourself to everyone. You just need to be still and be in the word. He told me that was self-righteousness in that moment. And I repented. Sorry, Lord. I didn't even know that I was acting self-righteous. And I laid it down. And then I... he put a robe of righteousness on me and I received it and it gave me this feeling of peace that I don't have to go around explaining myself to everyone it's okay He'll, he'll, he'll work on that we don't have to manage our own reputations he's got it and honestly in a multitude of words is a multitude of sins that's in the Bible too so the more I was talking the worse it was getting so anyway whew Okay, so while we're in this first category of what is righteousness, I'm going to tuck in here a quick ABCs of the gospel because the gospel is something you have to understand. It is a gift of God, and it is the good news of God, and it is how you know Jesus and how you know you're right with him. I realize I'm talking to probably a room of professional Christians. You get it. But listen, you don't ever graduate from the gospel, It's never more high and lofty than the cross and the resurrection. There is nothing deeper than that. I'm telling you. Do you guys hear me? All right. So I'm going to give you the ABCs quickly. And so A, 
here's, here's the point in the gospel. I can't make myself righteous. We have to understand. I can't do anything about it. It says in Jeremiah 13, 23, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard its spots? Then may you also do good who are accustomed to do evil. We can't make ourselves good when we're by nature, this in nature is evil. Yeah? Okay. So heaven is a perfect place. If God let imperfection, imperfect people into heaven, what would happen to heaven? It would start looking like earth. There would be lying. There would be cheating. There would be stealing. There would be issues. Okay? God had to take care of my unrighteousness. Romans 3.20, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So weird. Once you know God's rules and his standards for holiness, the more you realize, I cannot even come close to doing all the right things to make God okay with me. You guys know what I'm saying? We've all broken the rules a little bit. Some of us more than others. Have you ever talked to someone who's like, yeah, I, I believe in God and I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. And I'm like, really? That's cool. How good of a person are you? What helps you be good enough to get to heaven that other people are not doing? I would love to know. What does a good person mean? You know? Okay, are you better than Hitler? Yeah, I mean, you guys are probably better than Hitler, so you're closer to heaven <laughs> than Hitler. A lot of you are probably better than me. I'm a, I'm a pastor. Kurt and I say all the time, these people are better than us. They're amazing. I'm always humbled to pastor you guys because you're awesome. How many of you know, some can get closer than others, but at, at the end of the day, every person has sinned and fallen short. Yeah? It's okay. So I want to give this illustration. Let's pretend the western coast of California is earth. And Hawaii is heaven. Woo! If you've been to Hawaii, it's, it's, it's real. <clears throat> and let's say we all decided we're going to swim to Hawaii because we're going to go from heaven to earth. What? Earth to heaven. Oh. Anyway, we're going from earth to heaven. We're, right, we're, we're trying to get into heaven by being good and by trying hard. So we're all going to swim. Some people could swim 10 miles. Some people could swim 30 miles. Some people could... Go only a few feet if your body is not able to. At the end of the day, everyone's dead in the water. Can you swim to Hawaii? Can you get into heaven on your own merits? No. Everyone will die. <laughs> it's true. So here's the, here's the good news, okay? You can't do anything about your sin. But here's B in the ABCs of the gospel. God sent Jesus to pay for my sins so that I could be declared righteous and called righteous. Okay? So here's another illustration. You're a sinner, right? Say you've lived a lifetime breaking the law and sinning and doing all these bad things. And then you come before a judge one day to get what the judgment is about what you've done. Because you've broken rules and you've broken the law. And so the just judge gives you a sentence, and they say, for a lifetime of crime that you've committed, you're going to have a sentence of a lifetime in prison. 
hits the gavel, that is the verdict. Guilty. Okay? Now, this judge gets up, takes off the robe, comes down, goes up to you and says, you know what? I really love you a lot. I'm going to go ahead and serve your sentence for you. That's when the judge becomes the savior. Somebody has to pay for the sin. You did it. You broke rules. You broke things. You messed up. So the price has to be paid. And that's what Jesus did. He paid that price. Powerful stuff. The wages of sin is death. This is Romans 6.23. The wages, the payment... The price of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said, I'll die so you don't have to go to hell. This is some really good news. Did you know that the sentence on your head was hell? You were sentenced by justice to spend eternity apart from God. And now you've crossed over to life and your sentence is heaven. And right standing before the Father? Isn't that good news? That's the gospel, baby. That's the gospel, baby. Imputed righteousness means I owed a lot of money to all these creditors out there. I was in deep debt, man. They were calling after me. They were chasing me down. The dogs of doom were at my doorstep. And this rich millionaire heard of me, and he came, and he paid off all my debt. And not only did he do that, but he gave me a co-partnership in his wealth and his inheritance. And now not a one comes knocking at my door. Did I come with money? No. Did it cost me anything? No. It was a gift. It cost him a lot. It cost him something. It's a good word, huh? Yay. All right, this is, this is a, um, I'm going to have them put the lyrics to a song on the screen. I love, I love, there's a line of this song that wrecks me. Old song. I'm not the biggest fan of the melody of this song. I am of the poetry. It's beautiful. I am covered over with a robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to me. He gives to me. I am covered over with the precious blood of Jesus. He lives in me. He lives in me. Oh, what a joy it is to know my heavenly father loves me so and gave to me my Jesus. This is the line that wrecks me. And when he looks at me, he sees not what I used to be, but he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? How many of you people have a past and you're like, oh my goodness, he doesn't see it. He sees Jesus. That's the gospel. That's good news. Yes. So the gospel ABCs. First, I can't make myself righteous. B, God sent Jesus to pay for my sins so I could be declared righteous and called righteous. C, this is the the last step. I accept by faith what God did for me. Romans 3.22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. If we trust in Jesus to take sins away, we all, 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 all can be saved, no matter what we've done. Doesn't matter. Every single one. 
There is no religion and no amount of work that could get you to heaven. It's only by this precious gift that Jesus gives to you. Yeah? And to be saved, it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith you are saved. That kind of righteousness, just by declaring and believing and confessing, it really does make you right. You know, sometimes we kind of rush through prayers and we rush through these scriptures and we're like, okay, yeah, confess in my heart, believe, blah, blah, blah. There's a moment where with this natural realm, your physical body, your mouth says something and your mind believes something and your heart agrees with it, that the eternal realm hears it, sees it, and responds to it. The invisible God of heaven and earth responds to the human's heart. Is that amazing? It's a spiritual reality that you have to accept it and believe it by faith. And I'm telling you what, if you do, he will come and make you a new creation from the inside out if you haven't already. It's real. He will change your life. You don't have to change. He'll come in and he'll let you know. He'll move your furniture around a little bit. There's a kind of righteousness that will make you happy. Imputed righteousness. It gets you into heaven. It's a free ticket to Hawaii. The ticket cost him something still. There was a price. But you get it as a gift. Yeah? There's a kind of righteousness that will make you miserable. And that is self-righteousness, striving for God to be impressed with you by your good merits. You're never going to get there. Maybe you'll get further than me, but you're going to be dead in the water without Jesus. God is not going to force you into heaven. He gives you the opportunity to receive this gift, but it is on his terms. All right, moving on. Number two, you guys like that? The gospel, baby. I could say it all day, every day. It's the best news. It's my favorite. If you're a believer and you have not led people to the Lord, seriously, this is all you need to know to tell them. I, you can't make yourself righteous. God sent Jesus to pay for our sins so we could become righteous. And three, I accept by faith what God did for me. That is how you lead someone to the Lord. Okay? All right. So go do it at lunchtime. All right. Number two. What? These will go a little bit quicker. That was my longest point, FYI. All right. What does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? So in our human frames, the two strongest desires and reflexes are thirst and hunger. If we didn't eat long enough, we would die. If we didn't drink a lot faster, we would die, right? God wants us to understand that righteousness is is, is, as essential that you will die without it. It's life or death. It's real. So we got to hunger and thirst for it as we do food and water. Yeah? Hungering and thirsting after the things of God puts things in correct order in our lives. Seek first his kingdom, Matthew 6.33. Seek first his kingdom and what? His righteousness. The first thing. First. Seek these things. Then what? Everything else falls into place. All these things will be added unto you as well. Yes? Okay. So, spiritual hunger after righteousness 
The way I'm going to explain this is when you become a believer in the Lord Jesus, there's two things going on. One is called justification. Okay, the justice when the judge hit the gavel and then he took your sentence justified you before the Father, right? Because Jesus stood in your place and took the justice, yes? So justification, the way I remember it, is it's as if I, just as if I never sinned. That's my standing before God. Just as if I didn't sin. Justified. Okay. Sanctified is another deal. Sanctified is a process where we become more like him in our human souls. It's a process. Your spirit is saved and right with God. God is working on your mind, will, and emotions and your actions. Yes? That's a process. That's called sanctification. Sanctification is choosing what God wants in my life, and then my life starts to look more like he wants it to. Yeah? Sanctification is also described to talk about the elements that were used for the priestly service in the presence of God. Okay, they had certain kinds of utensils, and they were set apart. They were sanctified. They were for holy use. They were for him. Okay, it wasn't your picnic plasticware. Those are not sanctified. Those are common use. God wants us to set ourselves apart to be used by him. Okay, that takes participation with the help and the grace of the Holy Spirit to help us to make us look more set apart, okay? You can look at Christians who are going to heaven. There is no right acting in their life, and it will confuse the world because the world's like, what's the difference? You look just like me. I don't see anything different about you, and it's actually hypocrisy, and it actually gives Jesus bad look when his children are acting wild and worldly, I'm not trying to condemn you, but I am trying to say it does take your participation for sanctification to be worked out in you. You do have to die to your flesh. You do have to say yes to him. And what he'll do is gradually, you want to do what's right because you're in love with him. Your behavior follows what you're looking at, yeah? The more I spend time with him, the more I look like him. That is it. Now, if you lose your hunger for righteousness and you allow sin to keep creeping in, you do not lose your salvation. You do lose sanctification because you're not setting yourself apart for his use. And you don't look different than the world. You lose your satisfaction and you lose your fulfillment. Have you ever been in compromise and you're like, oh, I'm miserable? <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. Not a fun place to be when you're a Christian. So God wants you to hunger for the right things. Okay, number three. What does it mean to be filled? This word filled actually means to, be, to gorge yourself, to be totally so full that like on Thanksgiving you open up your button and expand your pants because you're super full and satisfied. He wants you to be filled, okay? He wants you to just be like, oh, I can't even eat another bite. So full, so good. Psalm 107.9, for he satisfies the, the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. The promise is he will satisfy your human soul. He will. He will make you feel so full of him, okay? And um, a really difficult thing for Americans to understand is true thirst and true hunger because we really like to snack on all the things, and we're really never starving. We don't understand it. We don't actually have the risk of not drinking water. 
We don't have the risk, usually, of not getting a meal. So people in other countries probably understand this more than we do. But I will say there is a person who I can say we maybe as Americans could relate to, and that is King Solomon. King Solomon had it going on, man. He was the smartest. He had the most money. He had everything accessible to him. He built king kingdoms. He had all this stuff. He had all the women, had all the wine, got to party. What does it say? In the book of Ecclesiastes, it was like having a midlife crisis because nothing satisfied him, you know? And this was prophesied by the prophet Mick Jagger. I can't get no, 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 right? Satisfaction. No, that's Solomon's song. He can't get no satisfaction. Listen, guys, as Americans, we can't get no satisfaction, like Solomon, from stuff. It's never going to happen. It's not going to satisfy your heart. You know, God, you've heard that you have a God-shaped hole inside of you. Well, you were born with hunger, spiritual hunger. You were born to not be satisfied with anything that is temporal. Because God is an eternal God. He has no limit. He is the only fit that will satisfy the, the ache and the hunger inside of you. Your eternal soul is crying out for eternity. Do you understand? Did you want me to sing a little more? Because I can, if you'd like. <laughs> you guys got a little more pep out of me than the first service, I will say. <laughs> Probably because of Angie. <laughs> oh, man. The only way to be satisfied is to have spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger, okay? What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Because God will fill you and satisfy you if you're hungry for the right things. It's amazing with the Lord how this verse talks about being hungry and thirsty for righteousness for you should be filled. The kingdom is pretty amazing because it's kind of a paradox. You can say, um, I went to church and it was incredible and I felt so full from God and it was amazing. And then you're like, but I want more. <laughs> I'm hungry and I'm full. I just want more. That's how good the Lord is. He's addicting. When you are really spiritually hungry for him, it just makes you more hungry. You ever been there? If you're not hungry, that's probably an indicator that something's going on, something is sick in you that needs to be fixed. If you didn't have an appetite, you would know you were sick. So, Selah, think, ponder that. Ponder that one. God says that these people who are spiritually hungry will be satisfied and happy. Number four. Okay, this is the practicals here. How do I maintain my spiritual hunger for the rest of my life? You guys want to know? Come back next. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's five quick points. I'm going to go through these. These are the practical steps that you can go home and be like, okay, I'm not hungry for God. I'm not hungry for his things or his righteousness. These are the practical things that I need to be really mulling over in my walk with God. Number one, remind myself how much God loves me. This is where it all begins. We love because he first loved us. If we don't have a revelation that God loves us, we are going to be striving. We're going to be acting like we're trying to get his attention. We're going to be doing all kinds of silliness, wasting our energy. But you need to ask him to reveal his love to you. You can't love him unless you know he loves you. You understand? It's true. It is true. 
But the amazing thing is he's a good father who's not withholding. And if you ask him, he will show you his love. He will reveal it to you. Um, you just have to ask. Ephesians three seventeen through 19. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Ask him to show you how much he loves you. And he will. I promise. Okay? That's going to keep your heart hungry. Number two. I kind of hit on this. Stop filling up on junk food. That's why you're not hungry, okay? <clears throat> you're not living until you're right with God. And if you're filling yourself with other things, you're going to be dull, okay? What did your mama tell you on Thanksgiving Day? Don't spoil your appetite. Yep, right? Bunch of snacky, empty calories out there. It looks like wasting our time, wasting our attention, wasting our focus, so we don't have to feel our feelings. I get it. I'm a human, too. I like to zone out, <laughs> like the best of them. I do. I love it. I love to put a podcast on and just, like, clean my house. But the Lord's like, shh, stop. Quiet. Quiet your spirit and have nothing on but me. Be still and know that I am God. That is laying down this junk food, right? The, 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 the discipline of fasting is denying the, the food, the natural things, the things that I prefer so that my spirit is hungry and my spirit is elevated to connect with the Lord. It sensitizes us. So do that. Go ahead and stop eating junk food, Okay. All right, number three, make knowing God my number one goal. King David, before he was king, he was um, in distress, and he, like, begs and pleads and cries out to God, and I love it because it's a model of just what we want. My number one goal is knowing God. Psalm 63, one, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Listen, you might feel kind of satisfied with your life because you have filled up with things that are not godly, but the truth is you are in a parched, barren land unless you know God. It's all sucking the life out of you if you don't know God. We have to have him. We have to know him, and he will satisfy these things in us, okay? All right, number four. We're almost done here, guys. Number four, get into God's word every day day. I cannot overemphasize this. Chicken soup is not soul food. The Bible is. Okay? The Bible is spoken of as bread, honey, milk, meat, etc. Okay? 1 Peter 2.2 says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you so that by it you may grow up in salvation. God wants us to grow up. And the way to do it is to know what he wants, and that is through the scriptures. The way that you are going to mature as a Christian and stop going around the mountain a hundred times and going in the same cycles is from the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God converging. If you're not sure how to hear from the Lord, well... You won't know his voice unless you know his Bible, because if he's speaking to your heart, he's only going to say something that confirms with Scripture. 
So it's important, okay? All scriptures God breathed. This is 2 Timothy 3.17. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and what? Training in righteousness. Oh my gosh, I want to grow in righteousness. I got to read the Bible. If you only eat once a week, you're not going to be healthy. Ponder, ponder it. Okay. Number five, appetite is influenced by association. Have you ever been hanging out with somebody and they're like, oh, I want a Cinnabon. And then you're like, I want a Cinnabon too. Or, oh man, you know what sounds really good is Alberto's green chili. Oh, that sounds so good right now. Oh, that sounds good to me too. Well, listen, who you're hanging out with will help determine what you're hungry for too. You know? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That is the saying. But the Bible says those who walk with the wise will themselves become wise. Who you're spending your time around will determine your hunger for God. It's true. People who wane in their hunger and wane in their spirituality, a lot of times they're isolated. A lot of times they're hurt by the church, so they'll go be friends with the complainers, you know. And that you'll see the spiritual condition of them start waning, and they start getting bitter and angry and hurt, easily offended. That's not what God has for us. He has life. He has passion. He has shining like the stars. He says we should, we should shine our lights that people would know him. That's the kind of lives we need to live. And a lot of times the people we're hanging out with can help determine how passionate and hungry you are. Do you guys believe that? We're herd animals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so good. So just to recap, the hungry are happy, or you can say happy are the hungry people. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Your promise is that you will be happy and satisfied with the things of God, and you'll not be starving and unsatisfied with the things of this world. He wants to come and bring this revelation to your hearts. Yeah? Amen. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, when I was praying, I had someone in the first service, I know this was for, but it, it probably is someone in this room too. I think there are people in here who you almost feel like it's pride or arrogance to say, I'm righteous. Righteous. <laughs> um, <laughs> righteous, dude. Um, what you tell yourself, you were taught to say, I'm an old, wretched, dirty, slimeball sinner. I'm a scumbag. I don't even know why God loves me or if he loves me. That's the tape playing in some people's head in this room. And the, the real truth that you need to partner your life with is I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is the truth. And as a room, I just want to say that together. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want to say it one more time. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are in him. You are covered with his purity and his wholeness before the Father. That is the truth. Don't let that old scumbag, slimeball devil tell you anything else anymore. It's a lie. Okay? All right. Well, I'm going to pass the service over to Pastor Kurt. God bless you guys. I love you very much. Thank you. Thank you.
uh, ministry team, if you would come down front. Um, and uh, if you need prayer for anything this morning, we have people who want to agree with you. You can stand to your feet this morning. I have a couple closing reminders. Um, first of all, it is uh, uh, this week is spring break, and all of our Tuesday events are uh, canceled. So no men's, women's, or youth ministry happening on Tuesday. However, everyone say however. We still have Thursday night worship and prayer here at the church. So 6.30 in the basement uh, youth room. Um, so those of you, if you're disappointed that we don't have Tuesday events, come on Thursday because we're going to go for it. It's been a really good time. Um, I think that's it for this morning. Um, yeah, if you need prayer for anything today, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't leave this place not knowing that you begin a relationship with him. Um, we love you so much. So, Father, we love you. Thank you for every person in this place. Um, we just thank you, Jesus, that in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Lord. And, God, I thank you that as we dive into these scriptures that Emily just uh, was unpacking today in these Beatitudes, Lord, that there are just layers upon layers of, of um, just goodness in there. We thank you for that, Father. We bless you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen. Y'all have a great week, and we'll see you next time.